So, welcome everyone to the 34th episode of the Connect Podcast. Host, co-founder, and CEO of Connect. And today we have a very special guest on our show. An author, poet, and yet happy Zeke Feist. Um, and, uh, and today I, well, I'm, I'm really grateful to have this guest on our show today, um, because I've known her for many years. Um, and I met her, uh, at one of the first places that I worked at in New York City called A Gathering of the Tribes, um, where I was working for Steve Um, and, uh, that's where I met Kathy Price. Um, when I was very young and I uh, didn't know a whole lot about the world uh, around me and um, and uh, and I I'm, I'm just really really glad that we've stayed in touch and stayed connected with each other um, and uh, well in the spirit of the conversations that we normally have on our podcast I am really connect um, I we're going to be talking a bit about uh, about um, mental health, wellness, and uh, and also about uh, black authors and how important it is for black authors to share their stories, to uh, share their uh, their experiences, and to you know just promote more and more. Uh, black voices world. Um, so I'm really glad to have uh, this amazing author who recently had her book launch um, uh, about a week ago, actually. And um, and so really glad, glad to have her here with us today. Welcome, Kathy. And uh, how are you feeling today? Thank you, Amy, for having me. As you said, we have, uh, you know, we go back a long ways, and it's wonderful to be on your, on your show. It's something that our mentor Steve Cannon would be grinning from ear to ear. I know, I know, he is grinning from ear to ear where he is. How am I feeling? I'm really um, hopeful and excited about this book. I think it. Every time I read it, I learn something new from it, even though I'm the one who wrote it. And um, it's about um, Mardi Gras, but it's also about survival with after Hurricane Katrina. And you're right, I think it's really um, a wonderful time for African-American authors. There's many more of us um, in the field of, of publishing when it has not been quite as diverse and I am a big proponent of African-American authors being the ones to tell African-American um, stories even though I of course um, acknowledge that anybody can write anything like everyone writers um, write um, and having said that I'm still very feel very blessed that the field is widening for more black voices because for a long time, especially even during 
you know, the one month that we're, um, we get to focus on our history, although we focus on our history 24 seven, but especially in this month recognized, you know, in the United States as Black History Month, I think it's even more important that I think it's more important that, you know, the, the history that we've lived, the history that we're making, and the history that, you know, we've observed or that we, we've learned from our ancestors really has a different kind of resonance when it comes from that community. And I, I really embrace that. Um, and today, uh, February 28th, when we're recording this episode, uh, is the is the last day of February, and February being um, with what has been uh, known as uh, Black Heritage Month or Black History Month. Um, um, I you know. Thank you so much for giving your thoughts on. Um, some of your thoughts on Black the importance of, uh, you know, of Black writers, Black authors sharing stories, uh, their own stories. Um, and yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, writers, very talented writers of, you know, many different ethnicities, of course, you know, can educate themselves and and uh, attempt to share uh, another ethnicity's story. Certainly, you know, there are so many talented writers who have attempted to tell stories that, um, you know, um, of, of other types of uh, ethnicities or um, uh, 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 demographics. But it is very important for the publishing world to uh, to amplify the the you know amplify African American voices right um, you know in telling their own stories um, because certainly it could be so easy for a, for a white author to you know to to um, attempt to 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 do that you know and it probably you know, years like probably five or ten years ago, it could probably it, it would be very easy for a publishing company to publish a book like that. But is it is 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 it you know something that that I mean, that people need to read? You know, I don't really think so. I mean, I've 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 read you know, and I've heard of uh, you know white or you know uh, Hispanic. Um, uh, authors trying to write stories that, you know, that are other, other, another, uh, ethnicity story. And it always would sound like it, you know, it always come out, um, it would always come, come out wrong. It would always, you know, sound like the stereotype of, uh, you know, of another culture's experience, you know, rather than the true experience. And so I'm so glad that, you know, authors like yourself are being published by large publishing companies um, that, you know, are, are getting your, you know, your book out into, into the world. 
um, your, your latest book, um, which I'm really, really, uh, really glad uh, to, you know, and I've ordered it and, um, and I also uh, sent a copy to my mom, which she's so happy. She loves, <laughs> she, she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Um, uh, um, which is Mardi Gras almost didn't come this year, um, which is published by published by Simon and Schuster, and um, and you know I'm just so happy for you, Kathy. This is like really just such an awesome time for you, and um, and uh, and I I also I believe that you've done some residencies, uh, some writing residencies as well um, in the past couple of months. Months is that right? Um, I did a residency um, last summer at the Blue Mountain Center, which is okay. incredible. It's an, I'm going to turn off beautiful, um, wonderful um, residency, and that was this summer. I'm going to be at Wild Acres in um, the fall. I've had residencies on Long Island. Um, I'm an Edward Albee Fellow. I'm a Kava Khanum Fellow, um, and I actually had a really beautiful residency in Washington off Whidbey Island with Hedgebrook, which is a very prestigious women's residency. So those are, those are where my writing soul gets to dance and, and um, have time to breathe, where it's a little bit different when I'm in the day-to-day. One thing I did want to mention, you know, you mentioned the, the title of my book. The, the editor was fairly insistent that we have an, an illustrator from the New Orleans diaspora, which is, again, underscores, this is an African-American talented illustrator. His name is Carl Joe Williams. And I really appreciated that, again, in telling our stories, that she chose somebody who actually experienced, um, you know, the main um, component of the book, which is about Hurricane Katrina. And I sent you, actually, through your email, I sent you um, uh, a symposium that's happening on Twitter with Asian writers, and they actually are saying the same thing. They're saying, they're talking about Asian authors telling their own stories. So it's not just african-american authors and it's and it's not even just asian authors native americans telling their stories how many times have i read a book that won many many awards and colorful detail and as you mentioned gifted writers and not authentically from that tradition or that community and there is a difference when you are not of that community and you write about that community. Um, and I was at a panel um, a couple of days ago and a writer who was writing about African-American slaves, in fact, her book um, focused on that, was actually talking about George Washington and how frail he was. And she presented him in this very beautiful, sentimental um, kind of light I didn't say anything, but I thought I know that a black writer would not look at George Washington as a frail, sentimental old guy. Mm -hmm. He was a slave owner 
he actually ran, went after um, this one female slave. God only knows what happened to her. And here's somebody who is not of our community, kind of, you know, talking about him like he's this kindly old chat. And, you know, in, in, in terms of the, the panel, I, I didn't want to um, raise any, um, in, any challenges because I think narratives will kind of bear out, you know, the, the truth in them or what needs to be the truth in them. But it was an uncomfortable moment for me as someone who was descended from slaves hearing um, that kind of that kind of energy and I that's it only underscored for me more the beauty of our um, not only um, BIPOC communities being the ones to, to pen their stories it was heartening to see after my that happened that there here was this notice about Asian writers penning their own stories and I'm hoping that more and more of us get to, you know, not not denigrate anyone who's who's writing about our communities, but in speaking up for the the beauty of of you know um, BIPOC communities writing about their communities, maybe more people will hear and give some space. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting is that Black history is so amazing and so rich. I don't blame anyone for wanting to write about it. But what I see more and more is that um, that can crowd out a space for someone else who's in that community to tell the story. So I think yes. important. Thank you for letting me like really speak on that was on my heart today. Absolutely, absolutely. I I'm so glad that you shared about uh, about that announcement um, about the uh, virtual panel that's been going to be happening for Asian American writers, and also your thoughts and perspectives on uh, you know on on the importance of. Uh, African American writers, um, you know, or writers, you know, uh, uh, writing about their own cultural experience, and yes, you know, I think that it, it, it's, it's, um, it's happening more and more, but not happening enough. Um, you know, people telling the truth about. American history and about American presidents. Um, it's not happening often enough. Um, and certainly like, you know, to what your experience was with, um, with a white author trying to paint, uh, you know, President George Washington as being a very kindly old fellow. I think that it's, um, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it's sad that uh, so many, you know, people in in our country, um, particularly white people, uh, you know, are are not comfortable with the truth, um, and uh, and and can't face the realities of what what our country was really founded on. Um, I, I mean, I know that I that that, that I had 
difficulty uh, for many years with facing those kinds of truths and that, that I, that I, that I saw things in that kind of lens for a very long time. And it took me many years, you know, I mean, it took me some time to realize that, 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 that wasn't a reality, um, uh, you know, at, at, at all. Um, uh, let's let's make sure that, okay, all right, good. Um, that, that, you know, that, that there is a very clear truth like what you are saying that yes, George Washington was a slave owner. Um, uh, and those kinds of stories, those truths, they should be spoken about, um, you know, in, um, and, uh, and that the true history of, of America should be taught to, to children, you know, like, um, you know, no matter how, difficult it is to communicate those truths. And so how you communicate, uh, um, you know, real, uh, history to children, um, you know, painting that kind of picture in your books. I, I mean, I, I just, I truly love it. Um, I, in, in particular, um, I look, so the book that we have in our house right now that my daughter loves, she's four and she'll be uh, turning five in a few weeks, um, is the Bourbon Street Musicians. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, and well, um, I wanted to go back to a question I was going to ask you, uh, previously, and then I'll ask you a little bit about, um, the Bourbon Street Musicians, um, is, uh, uh, so, so your the book that you have coming out, or the book that you have that just re was released uh, um, on, on February twenty second on two twenty two twenty two. So, are you doing virtual or in person uh, appearances for that book? Um, I, I'm sure you have a tour that's coming up, or that you're you're already doing. Yes, um, for the beginning of the year, it's virtual, but as the weather gets nicer and warmer and um, events can be held outdoors, um, then I will be switching over to um, outdoor events. I know that the Golden Notebook is going to have um, a book um, operation for me, I know that during the summer, summer reading club libraries will be having events, and I'm tentatively scheduled to be at the Louisiana Book um, the Book Festival, and that's in October. So I am looking forward to in-person events. I'm looking forward to signing books. That's so much fun, <laughs> signing books in bookstores and independent bookstores, of course, as well as you know probably some of the chains. Um, so I think as the weather gets warmer, I'll start moving a little bit more outdoors. Yeah, yeah, that'll be so lovely. Um, you know, the sun coming out and, um, and being nicer weather for everyone um, to gather and and, uh, and get a signed copy of your book. Um, uh, so, uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, because uh, you know, my daughter and I, we've enjoyed reading, uh, your, your book, the Bourbon Street Musicians. 
uh, for a while now, for a couple of months, actually for the past year. Um, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's been, been quite a while, right? Um, uh, I, I wanted to ask, um, what inspired you to write that story? Uh, because I, I, when I, when I first read the, the book, I was like, wow, this is such an amazing lyrical book. But then the second time when I read it to my daughter, I just saw so many like layers of lessons and, uh, and just things that are not communicated to children, but should be, you know? Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, some, some of what, uh, you know, what inspired you to write that book. Thank you. I'm so glad <clears throat> that your daughter is enjoying it. Um, such a little light. So great to see your pictures. Um, with the Bourbon Street Musicians, there's an unusual story with this. I actually did not set out, actually with both books, there are some books that you kind of, there's some books that you um, need, you know you need to write. And some books just that just kind of happen. And the Bourbon Street Musicians kind of just happened. I was at a poetry reading um, at the St. Mark's Poetry Project, their annual poetry event. And um, there was a literary agent in the audience. Somehow she was able to get my um, address. And she asked me to come in for an interview the agency was interested in possibly representing me and asked if I were writing novels. And I said, no, I'm a poet. I don't have any novels. And they asked me to get back in touch with them when I had something developing. And a couple of friends of mine, we were at brunch, and my friend Peter said, you should just write every day. If you write every day, 365 days later, you have a novel. And I just thought that was the silliest thing I ever heard. But I did what he said. I started writing for three, well, I wrote, wrote for 90 days. I had some really pretty writing, but it didn't really make sense. And he said, congratulations, put it in a drawer and start all over. And um, this time I thought, why don't I take a children's book? Because I didn't know how to write a novel. I didn't know anything about story arc, like beginning, middle and end. And I thought, why don't I take a children's book and rewrite it in my own words? I'll learn beginning, middle, and end, and I'll learn character development, and I'll apply what I learned to my novel. So I took the Bremen Town Musicians, because I'm a musician, and I began to write it. It took me seven days. I wrote it on a typewriter. I was bored day one. I was like, this is such a boring exercise. And then day two, to make it more interesting, I gave the animals southern accents. <laughs> so they would sound like my family. <laughs> so they sound like my mother and father. So I gave them southern accents just to torture myself. And then <laughs> one day I said, oh boy, this is so boring. How deep can the bottom go? And I wrote that in the story. And then suddenly it to be fun. At the end of the week, and I was doing this on the typewriter, I said, oh my gosh, I don't have an exercise. I have a real book. I didn't mean to write a book, but 
this is what I have. And I, I knew immediately it was going to sell. I knew immediately it was going to sell. And I was so intimidated that I accidentally threw it away. And because it was on a typewriter, I, meant I had to type it all over again. And um, I typed it all over again. I read it to a friend and he said, wow, that sounds like a screenplay. And I, I thought, wow, it sure does. And then I lost it again. Oh no. I lost it three times. I tell that story on school visits and the whole audience goes, oh! <laughs> I lost it three times before I could really spiritually get aligned with the fact that I was going to be an author, an author of a kid's book. I think spiritually I wasn't ready to do that. But once I was ready, it took me two years to perfect it. The title went through all different names. It was Mule Bone at one point. And, and then I just said, why not make it, since they're Southern, why not, and they're going to Bourbon Street, why not call them the Bourbon Street Musicians? And that's the evolution of it. It was the little picture book that could it was in the New York Times. It had a New York Times book review, full page. It won an award with uh, the National Council of Teachers of English. American Library Association book list gave it a starred review. It's the most astounding. And then also when I did send it out to publishers, it was pulled from the slush. And the slush pile are the unagented submissions and they take maybe one to three percent so it was a really miraculous book yes it really really uh it it it, it really it truly is and the one of the funniest things about it is that i uh, it's it, it is um it's such a lyrical book and it also is um i uh, you know it's 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 written in uh, it with with that kind of accent, you know, that kind of um, a southern accent to it. Uh, and none of my my daughter's other books are you know written in this kind of way. Uh, so when my so so um, so when the when well two two very funny things about about when I read this book to my daughter is that one thing was she, she when when I read it to her. My daughter was like, like it doesn't really say that, does it? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not making this up. And she's, she's like, really, it really says that. And, and then, uh, because it's 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 written to be spoken in a, in in like an animated kind of way, more so than any of the other books that she has, you know. And the other thing was is that. My daughter, she will uh, mem she memorizes books, and will um, you know just memorize books. Uh, and you know if she's if I've read something to her maybe you know more than more than once, like twice, uh, then she will uh, open up the book later and just you know start to uh, start to just uh, recite what's on the pages. And so she started doing that with your book <laughs> and, and she, she would, it just, it, may, it would make her laugh. Like every page she would, you know, like, like start, she would recite something and she'd be like, <laughs> like 
she'd be like, showing up, showing up. And like, and, 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 like, and I would hear her in the other room, like reciting the pages of your book and laughing to herself about like, you know, like, like how these, how these characters are just, you know, like they're all like gathering together to, to form this band, you know? <laughs> and, and she just, I was, she, I mean, she really, she just loves that book so much. Um, Thank you so much for saying that. I love hearing that a child delights in the language and that it actually creates that response <laughs> that she like, like has really just embraced it. And I also love that she didn't believe at first that, that the language was as it as was written. I, I just I love that story. And I, I think also for kids, you know, it's really important that when we read books, that books can break syntax and change rules and upend our thinking and really cause us to kind of look at the world in, in a different way because we're being presented with a different kind of mirror. So like listening to this is I feel like I did my job as an author. Yes. Thank you for that. Well, now I want to look welcome. at it without featuring Maytree, like saying show enough and then laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, so, you know, um, so, so yeah, so your writing is so very lyrical. Um, and what I was wondering is when you were writing, uh, that book and when you, when, when you were writing, um, uh, Mardi Gras almost didn't come this year. Um, you know, do, do, do you read, um, all of your books aloud when you're writing them or, um, you know, or do you hear the voices in your head as you're writing? Like, how does that process take place? In the very beginning, when I um, had um, a critique group, we actually had a read aloud critique group where we would meet on the phone, this is pre-Zoom, and then we would read our books aloud so that we could catch the nuances or uneven rhythms and such. Um, with the Bourbon Street Musicians, it was a little bit more challenging because it's a longer book. Um, so. I think with that, I just had to do what my what your daughter did, and that was read some of the parts that they made me laugh. I felt that it was on a good, it was a um, a good version. And if I got bored or felt there was like too much language, uh, then I would cut back. Um, so I would read some parts of it aloud. Now that the technology is more advanced. Um, I regularly will have um, a passage of writing read aloud from the computer. With Mardi Gras, almost didn't come this year. Um, I actually did have some parts of it read aloud so that I could really um, discern um, the beats and rhythms. But recently, I found out my book has been uploaded on a storytelling, um, a storytelling site, and somebody else is reading it, and I just can't get enough of listening to her read it. Like she has this authentic, like very southern accent, but I'm California girl, so it's going to. Even though I grew up with southern 
parents, it's going to be tinged with California. But she reads it. I just I keep listening to her because I don't. She really uh, reads it differently than I would have, and yet she brings like this resonance to it. And so it's fun to hear your words read by somebody else aloud, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I saw that you had posted that on Facebook. Uh, you know that that woman. Um, I can't remember her name now. You know, I mean, if you can share that. Um, uh, I I saw that on your Facebook page. Uh, that that this other woman. Um, she has. I guess it was it was a YouTube channel um, where YouTube. she was reading it. Yes, and I'm I'm looking it up now. It was YouTube, and I believe her name is Mrs. It's Mrs. Something, um, but I'll, I'll definitely get that before the. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll put that in the show notes um, for for this podcast if people want to see that, and I'll, I also will have your website and any other kind of um, uh, things that you sent to me for uh, for your books. Um, but you know, you 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 mentioned something. Um, uh, so, so you weren't, uh, born in Louisiana, were you born in Louisiana or were you born in, in California? I was born in California. Um, both my parents are Louisiana born. Okay. okay. And many of my family are in New Orleans. Um, so even though I grew up in California and many of my cousins were born and raised in California, my, my family was part of what they call the Great Migration, and that is um, African Americans who moved from the South to um, to go North, and so a lot of them went to Chicago or New York, and then of course there's a contingent of people that went West or Pacific Northwest, and my family um, went West. We're homestead home um, steaders in what is now called Silicon Valley. Mm. So we were, my family was the first, among the first African-Americans that were redlined, <laughs> redlined, but um, developed this strong community in Palo Alto, East Palo Alto. Um, however, that said, both parents, one million percent Southern. So grew up with Southernisms, grew up with eating Southern type food, Southern customs, Southern superstitions, which I don't believe are superstitions. I grew up Californian in a Southern house. So I am that hybrid. Wow. The experience and, you know, <laughs> and something that I think could be even um, an interesting children's book, you know, like uh, having those kinds of hybrid experiences, which I think so many children, uh, you know, go through, um, especially children that are, um, you know, children of um, uh, parents who, who come from another country that are living in the U.S., right? Like that kind of experience of, um, of uh, having the reality where they're living, but then also knowing of the traditions and heritage of their parents um, and having that kind of crossover. There is a book um, that won um, the Newberry Honor um, and it was written by um, 
Her name is Andrea Yang, and she wrote a book called Watercress. And um, it's about, I haven't read it, although I bought, I bought the Kindle, um, because it looks like a beautiful story. And she said it's really a love story to her parents who stopped at the side of the road to pick watercress. And she's from a different, again, a different, um, you know, a different time period and a different consciousness. And the book is about kind of reconciling those two, um, I, at least as far as I, as I, as far as I can see, about reconciling the, the two of generations. And I'm really excited to read it. And it won um, an honor award from the Newberry, which is the highest children's um, book award an author can can have is the Newberry um, Award. And so she won the honor. And um, it speaks to exactly what you said. Somebody actually did write a picture book about those disparate experiences and them becoming, you know, one. Yeah. That would be an interesting book for me to think about writing, though. About Yeah. I mean, yeah, writing it from your own uh, perspective yeah. and experience. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I, uh, so I, you know, your latest book, Mardi Gras almost didn't come this year. Um, you know, I, what I wondered was, uh, cause you know, cause it brings up an interesting question, um, uh, about Mardi Gras and, and, um, and the, uh, the, the experience that so many people in New Orleans and in Louisiana, um, uh, had, with um, Hurricane Katrina, um, I I wondered, you know, have you always celebrated Mardi Gras, or has there been times in your life when you didn't celebrate uh, that holiday? And did that, uh, you know, did you put any of that kind of thought into, you know, writing this book as well? I um, did not. Um grow up celebrating um, Mardi Gras, what happened was my cousins, we would visit my cousins in New Orleans, mm -hmm. and it was wild because my mother and my aunts would go to the seafood market and they'd buy all of these live crawfish and shrimp and everything kind of crawling around the floor, and my cousins would show us the doubloons and the gold pieces from Mardi Gras, and we would... Um, go through the French Quarter where it was, but we never got to um, to see an actual Mardi Gras. My brother went to Brazil to experience Carnival. Evidently he had such a great time, he never went again. But um, that is something that I would love to do. I have cousins who are part of the, the floats, I mean the crew and um, who are involved in it. It's just something I haven't personally gotten to do yet. Wow. Well, well, you know, who knows what the future holds. Um, you know, I, I, I know that you need to um, you know, go pretty soon, but I would love if, I would love it if you could possibly read, um, say, you know, some kind of excerpt from your book, Mardi Gras Almost Didn't Come This Year. Uh, if you're able to, you know, do you have an excerpt that you like to uh, share? I would, and I would love to also just take one part of the okay. Bourbon Street Musicians for my tree. 
Oh, yes, I would love that. Since she, this is for her, since she really, let's see. This is when the animals jump through the window. Oh, that's such a great part. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's see. So in the Bourbon Street Musicians, these are four animals who've outgrown where they live and they've been turned out to find their own house. They're going to go to Bourbon Street to be musicians. Along the way, they see a house and they look in and there's a delicious spread of dinner and they decide to make music so they'll be invited by the robbers or inside feasting, um, who will invite them to dinner. So, the animals say, ain't it getting on our supper time, asked the hound. Quarter past nine and going on a biscuit, answered the mule. I do believe it's time. And since, added the rooster. Since and since, sniffed the cat. Back where I come from, mused the mule. You gots to sing for your supper. Back where I come from, you gots to howl, declared the hound. You gots to crow, retorted the rooster. You gots to yowl, snapped the cat. Surprise them with a ditty or two or three, and they'll invite us to supper, returned the mule. You'll see. So... The hound climbed on the mule's back, the cat perched on top of the dog, the rooster swayed on the cat's shoulder, the mule pawed the soil, patoom, patoom, and swished his tail, and then the male trumpeted, Hooray! Bebop, bop! The hound howled, Aroo! Bebop, bop! The rooster crowed, Cock-a-doodle-doo! Bebop, bop! And the cat yowled so high, the sound broke the window panes and flipped the moon over, heads, tails, Bebop, bop. The four friends jumped through the window. Boom, crash, buffalo, bebop, bop. So that's that part. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to play this from, from my tree. She's going to love it. <laughs> I'll finish. I'll add actually one other part to that. Ooh, wee! That sounded fine, exclaimed the mule. Right, fine, echoed the hound. Ain't heard nothing as fine, said the rooster. Not in a coon's age, agreed the cat. Thank you for letting me read that. God, I love <laughs> and I'll just and I'll just read the first few pages from Mardi Gras almost didn't come this year. It's a story about a family who's struggling to find hope in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And the question does come up whether or not they're going to hold this beautiful celebration that's held every year. Days before the storm, there was a burning up sun. Then throw away corn cob days were done and the double dutch and do run run and be bop, which once rocked porches vanished. Wind threw water into sky, snatched the blue out, blue sputtered, then died. The levees cried. Wow. 
I hope she likes it. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Will you tell Money Tree the next book is on me? <laughs> I'd love to send her another one. Awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so I, so really quick, I want to ask you, um, I do have any other, uh, books or projects that, um, that we should eye out for, uh, coming here. Um, uh, and how can people reach you? Thank you. I have books in progress. I'm hoping that, um, that they will be um, picked up by someone wonderful. I have no doubt that they will find a home. Um, I have a book about a very famous um, African-American jazz um, singer. I have another book that I'm working on about Harlem and the Harlem jazz scene. And I'm also working on um, another book about children who are activists, African-American children activists. Uh, so I have um, a, lot of, a lot of hope in those stories and hope that um, I'll have good news about them before the end of the year. And where I can be reached, um, Twitter is a great place um, to reach me. I'm building a new Facebook, so it's not up yet. But uh, Twitter or my website, and my website is www.kathyzprice.com, and that's www.k-a-t-h-y-z, as in zoo, price, p-r-i-c-e.com. And there I actually have my social um, media um, connects. So that's a, probably the best hub to reach me. I had so much wonderful. fun. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today, Kathy, and for sharing with us about your journey uh, as a Black author. Uh, in, in and, and currently you're in Woodstock, New York, I think, correct? I am. I love Woodstock. <laughs> it is such a magical place to live, for sure, definitely. Um, and uh, and thank you so much for reading your books and sharing them with us today. And uh, and um, and I guess that the readers should um, or listeners of this uh, podcast should uh, look for your books on Amazon, correct? Yes, um, my books or anywhere else. Um, definitely on my website. I'll have okay. more. And, but there'll be independent bookstores as well as um, ordering online and in the chains. But, um, but yes, it will be on my web where uh, the books so, are. Awesome. All right. So go to uh, kathyzprice.com and, uh, and check out all the wonderful things that she's doing and order her book. Uh, Mardi Gras almost didn't come this year. And uh, and also uh, Bourbon Street Musicians as well is another amazing book uh, to order. Um, and uh, and 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 support you know support more uh, you know more authors, more Black authors, um, and 
definitely support Kathy Z. Price and what she's doing. Cause this is, I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I want to have more time to, to like, you know, talk with you, but I hope that we can have you on the show again. Uh, when you're doing, when you're releasing your next book. <laughs> I would love to. This was so much fun, Amy, and thank you so much. Thank you. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day and stay warm. And, uh, and I hope that we can connect with each other sometime soon in the future. Thank you. And I guess I would like to say one other thing. I okay. know that your, your podcast really does speak to about emotional and mental health and I think that the important part of both of the books that I read is that they do have an effect as you mentioned with your daughter that it can bring joy and laughter and in the, the second book which does talk about homelessness and uh, disenfranchisement that the family is able to uh, come together and not forget their troubles but transcend them to where they're able to stabilize as a unit and find love and joy. So I think it really does go in sync with the work that you're doing. And so thank you for having a home where we can talk about, you know, such things in a safe and inspiring environment. Thank you, Amy. For, for uh, sharing all of that today. Um, I so I just I don't know I, I'm just I'm I'm overflowing with gratitude. But um, you know, best wishes on um, all of your you know, future endeavors and um, and uh, and on and and um, you know, lots and lots of success uh, for you and your book for your future um, you know, book releases dates um, or meetings that you're doing virtually and in person. And, um, you know, I, 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 I hope that, that you, you know, have, you know, selling out for your book and, um, and, uh, reprints and all of that, you know, wonderful stuff and, and, uh, and awards, um, that will come to you as well. Um, uh, well, all right. I, I, well, I know that you, uh, need to, uh, part you, know, you need to go. Um, so thank you, thank you so much, Katya. I um, I just I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to share with us. Um, thank you so much. Your, as well. You know everything today. Thank you. I'm gonna sign off now. Thank you so much. For right. Thank you. Thank you.